disrespectful disciple. She is a gift. The banner over her head is joy. The banner over her head is joy. And it's a deep joy. A joy that only God can give. I'll give her to explain more. Thank you. Thanks, Pierre. Good afternoon, church. And <laughs> I'm a little nervous. I want to, yeah, I want to give a testimony and um, I want to give the Lord all the praise and I want to testify that we do serve a living God. So, most of, no, actually I want to build on what Marvin was sharing last week. Not sure if um, anyone can remember, but he was sharing about um, Philippians 4, where Paul talks about that supernatural peace which surpasses all our understanding. And that we can learn to, be, to have contentment and to have joy in our heart. And no matter what circumstance we're going through in life. I mean, he was in prison and um, he had so much joy and peace. And that's, I leave it for now for that. But most of you, most of you know, some don't know, that I got diagnosed with stage 4 bone cancer. My breast cancer, which I had six years ago, was spreading. And, um, yeah, in November last year, I got diagnosed, so it went into my spine and legs. And I had a major back surgery, spine surgery in November. But before that, to backtrack, two weeks prior, I got diagnosed in November. I am in, or Jack and I, we are in Ryan's community group. And Ryan was asking, who wants to, who wants to lead next week? And normally, still being a baby Christian, I only got baptized in March 2020. I would have been the last raising my hand. But I felt such an urge to lead the following week. And I felt such an urge to talk about Philippians 4, about that peace. And we had a discussion around how, how can someone learn to have that peace and joy, and no matter what circumstance we're going through. And it's, it's, God was preparing me. And I mean, he is out of time. He knew what's going to come. He was so preparing me for this. Then I had my, my diagnosis and my surgery, and I went through a couple of months, um, really, so like I would say, like a grief period, and, and um, healing and, and pain. And, but still in that phase, I was just growing closer to the Lord. And um, then when my oncologist said that I have only like approximately six years or less to live, my life expectancy, we all know, it's just a statistics and number and God has a plan. But still, it, it, it prompted my husband and I, Jack and I, you know, to talk about death and to, to see it as a, we all need to go. I just, I'm just lucky I might go earlier to Jesus if, it's, if it is like that. But, um, and I was still going through my grief period and then we were having a beach walk in, in, in Blauberg, Jack and I, and I had a bit difficulty. I was still healing from my back operation, difficulties going back from the beach to the pavement. An elderly lady saw me having a bit difficulties, and uh, she was power walking behind me. And she said, no, no, there are easier steps to go back to the street. And then somehow she, she's waited for me. And later on, she said that God told her to speak to me. And she was actually a breast cancer survivor, and her doctor gave her six months to live. 
and that was 20 years later. And um, so she's a miracle and she's free of cancer. Not even 10 days later, in Hermanus, we went for a little breakaway, Jack and I. Again on the beach, I met also a miracle from cancer. Like uh, we went to a restaurant and the son, same story. The doctors gave him three months to live and it's 10 years later and he's cancer free. I'm not standing here and thinking, okay, I will, I will also be a miracle. But what it means is God is, knows my story. He's with me. And, and, and he just wanted to give me encouragement and such beautiful encouragement. And he is just so with me on every step of the way. Then a few weeks later, we were like discussing how we're going to move forward because um, I was, for the last couple of years, we were living from my salary and I had a very stressful director's job and we both agreed I can't continue like to work in, in such an environment with so much stress. And um, we, we were praying about it and we felt so much peace. We felt so much peace. It's okay. I'm going to resign and, and God is providing for us. And um, on the day I had my, like two months ago, I had my meeting scheduled with my boss in the evening because he's in Canada, so it was evening. In the afternoon I called a very close friend of mine she is not saved. But I was so excited. I said, today I'm going to resign. And she's like, no, Natya, are you crazy? Um, please don't um, first wait for the income protector to get approved and don't, don't resign. And, and, and I, for, for a split second, I have, or maybe more than a second, but I, <laughs> I went to Jack and said, oh, I think maybe, maybe I shouldn't resign. Maybe we should really first wait. And I had that fear and I got like influenced again by the worldly fear. But it didn't last long because we felt so good and we prayed again and, and I did resign on that day. And the Lord has been, I could cry for joy. The Lord has been so good. I mean, that was a turning point and that's like over two months ago where I just feel so at peace. So first of all, suddenly our own business, which we launched just before lockdown in tourism, is just flying. We get contracts and we get requests and, and it is really, it, God, the Lord is just providing. And even my boss said, Nadia, if the income protector doesn't work out, we'll make a plan. And um, he's still like keeping me on as an advisory role, but I don't have to work. He doesn't want me to work. So it's, the Lord is just so good. It is so beautiful. And um, I wanted to say, add something. Mm. Sorry, I lost track. But that was also the turning point for me being consistent, consistent to have that joy back. And it's been really, the, I'm only able now to speak now because, you know, the first week you think, ah, probably I'm going to go in a dip again after one week or after two weeks. But it's now been... Over two months, consistently, every day, I wake up and I don't think about cancer, the first thing anymore. And I don't, and I have so much joy and peace in my heart. And, and, and even better, 
Like two weeks ago, I was on the phone with Jack's mom, and she was like, yippee, Natya is back. She heard it in my cheerful voice. And I said, no, mama, yes, I am back, but I'm better. I feel so much, mm, like, I appreciate things more. I, I don't, I don't want to wait for things anymore. I don't want to postpone things anymore. I feel so much like, so much joy and, and um, it's different. It really is different. And I have that complete joy of the Lord. And I, I could cry in the morning and say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for this beautiful day and for giving me that supernatural peace um, um, Paul is writing about. And um, yeah, so, but I also want to take this opportunity to really say thank you. Because I know that Jack has been here a couple of times, especially while I got operated. But I really, really, wow, like all your prayers and still ongoing prayers, it really, um, like that support. And, and Jack and I, we often say we wouldn't have been able to do this without, without you. So we really appreciate you a lot and we love you. And wow, yeah, so that's me. Every opportunity to testify to the goodness of God. And um, I went to their house in November, the day they found out. I can tell you, normal, the despair. The despair that evening. We sat around the table, there were four of us. Absolute despair facing this door. How you respond to it, it's not on your own strength. Will you open the door and let Jesus in? And I want to say, Nadja, you guys, the way you've done that, Jesus promises, he says, if you are the least, I'll make you the most. This is the most that I'm talking about. And we can be thankful that many of us may never face this kind of ultimate because it is an ultimate we don't know what god has in store we don't know how this plays out but they've responded in a way that invites the goodness of god and that's the peace of god and i stand here in awe of you you guys are living you living testimonies to the preach to what we preach we point to something that man cannot own given by God but if we don't receive it it doesn't there is no effect and so I just it's not it's not to honor you you haven't not a victory you're not standing on a you know pedestal position one you get the trophy that's not what this is about you've you've surrendered yourselves you've submitted yourselves and say Lord come and have your way and that's what you're testifying to so Father God I I know, Lord, that this is not, there's no destination here. The only destination ultimately is heaven itself. But Lord Nadja, bravely standing up here today, is to go from a place of grief and despair to say, today my God is bigger than my circumstance, Lord. 
And I want to say, Lord, I am humbled. Absolutely humbled, Lord, for what you've done in them and what you're continuing to do through them, Lord. And Lord, I want to say today, thank you for them, for their testimony, Lord. And I pray darkness move away. And Jesus, we continue to ask, Lord, would you heal her, Lord? That she would become ultimately the testimony of, well, they gave me six years and now I'm cancer free. Lord, we ask for that today. In your mighty name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Naja. Thank you. You can get out of your seats and uh, let's, let's worship the king. Yeah, just um, thinking of Pierre mentioning the woman with the issue of blood and then uh, and that and Jesus' willingness and then Nadja speaking about how she reached out to him and continued to reach out to him um, for the sense of peace. Uh, it just got me thinking of this little chorus I wrote a while, some years back. Um, and I just want to sing it over us. We will go into normal songs that I feel like we should just respond to the Lord. That was really special. There will always be there. There'll always be the running back to There'll always be there. There'll always be the clinging to you, God. So we'll push through the crowds to grab the hem of your garment. We will push through the crowd. To grab the hem of your cloak. We will push through the crowds. To grab the hem of your garment. We will push through the crowds. To grab the hem of your cloak. So that's what we want to do, Lord. And even now, God. We want to push through the crowds, God. Where those crowds be just the thoughts in our minds, our concerns, God. Just the world. We want to push through the crowds, God. To grab the hem of your garment because you're willing. We want to climb the tree like Zacchaeus did. Oh, because you're willing, God. You're willing. Not to just look at us and say hi and wave at us as you see us in the tree. But to call us to you and say, you know what? I want to eat in your house. I want to be close. I want to have communion with you. Blessed assurance. Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, purchase of God. Born of His Spirit, washed in His blood, 
blessed assurance. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Air of salvation, purchase of God. Born of His Spirit, washed in His blood. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story, this is my story, this is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. Lord, perfect submission, perfect delight, visions of rapture burst on my side, angels descending, bring from us. Echoes of mercy, whispers of love. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story, this is my story, this is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story. This is my 
This is my story. This is my story. This is my my cross you bore so I could live in the freedom you died for and now my life is yours and I will sing of your goodness forevermore and worthy is your name Jesus, you deserve praise. Worthy is your name. Worthy is your name. Jesus, you deserve praise. Worthy is your name. Worthy is, worthy is your name. Jesus. You deserve the praise Worthy is your name Worthy is your name Jesus Oh, you deserve it I come to bring all I have All I have is yours I come to bring all I have Jesus, cause all I have is yours Oh, we come We come to bring all we have Cause all we have is yours Oh, we come to bring all we have 
Grab your seats. I'm just going to ask Robin to, to keep playing. But I want you to stay in this space. That previous song we, we sang said, this is my story. This is my song. And I just started to, I started to wrestle with it. I was like, this is my story. This is my song. This is my story. This is my song. And I just think everything we have shared up to now, even not just testimony, I was thinking of Zacchaeus again. This guy's in my mind. He's not up and he's not in a tree anymore. He's in my mind. But I realized that sometimes there's a disconnect between our story and our song. There's a disconnect. 
But see, the, the problem is sometimes we want to start with our story where the story you need to start off with the story of Jesus. The reason why Zacchaeus was up the tree is because you heard about Jesus. See, sometimes when we come to Christ, we want to come just with, this is my story, but do you remember his story? Do you remember where love started? Do you remember that it was him that said, I'm walking towards that cross? I'm walking towards you. Not to purchase perfection. To purchase what is imperfect. But because I love. So the story of Jesus drives a man to a tree. And in that, that, in that tree, there was a man with a story. He didn't have a song yet. And I was just thinking about how, how the encounter with Jesus, if you look in the natural, wasn't a good exchange for the life of Zacchaeus. If you know the story, he comes down, Jesus sits with him, he eats with him. And just in this encounter with, with, with Jesus, he says, Jesus, every person that I've stolen from, every person that I've deceived, I'm going to give it back twofold. That poor man's wife. They went from riches to poverty in one day. But there was something when our story mixes with the story of Jesus that we get, get a pure song. We get a pure song. See, I was a man with my own story. Walking my own road. But it was when I heard the story of Jesus that he changed my life. Changed my story. And gave me a new song. Gave me a new song. And sometimes I know when we worship these, when we do these worship songs, when we sing about God's goodness and mercy, we may be in that season where it's so hard for us. What I love about the testimony of Jock and Nature, they don't know the answer, but Jesus is still beautiful. There's still a song because they know they're not walking alone. See, the, the biggest thing about all of our stories is at one stage, when you were walking this life, you were walking alone. Jesus was standing by saying, would you invite me in? Would you let me walk with you? I'm willing. So I want us in this, this place. Before Tony even preaches, can we just take a moment? And can you really invite Jesus to speak to you? Can you make Jesus a part of your story today? And say, you know what, Lord, maybe this was the craziest week of your life. It felt like this week was so fast for me. I don't understand how we are here. <laughs> Doesn't, it feels like Friday, but it's Sunday. It, it's just, it's a mess. I just want to quiet my heart before God. I want to quiet my spirit before God and say, Lord, come, I, I need you in my story. I need you in my story. Lord, I need you to, to, to give me that song again. I need you again, God, to speak to my heart so that there's a song that is pure towards you. Take this moment. I'm just going to ask Robs to play. Take this time. Pray for yourself. God, I want to bring my heart to you. Maybe it's in the best position it ever was. Maybe it's a mess. You have this opportunity. Bring it to Jesus. Is that cool? Let's close our eyes. Just a moment.
Father, we... Lord, I, I thank you, God, that you are willing to become a part of our story. Lord, not only are you willing... Let me say it like this, Lord, you, you, you meet us at the point of our story, God, and then you change it. You write it the way it should have been written. God, you are the author of life and death. You are the one, God, that, that holds all things together by the power of your word. Lord, maybe some of us, Lord, we, we have lost our song, God. Our story is a mess. It looks like there's no redemption. It looks like there's no way out, God. Lord, I pray that in this space, God, would you come. Lord, would you come. Would you come and rewrite stories? Would you come and restore songs, Lord? Would you lift our gaze? Would we be able to experience joy and hope and faith again, God? Would we be able to rise again, God? Would you lift up weary hands and weary eyes, God? Lord, because you are willing and able, God, and we thank you for your willingness and your ableness. Lord, I thank you that you are not a God that is, that is far off. You are a God that is near. You're a God that promises his presence. You're a God that promises that in the midst of the storm that you are there, that you sustain us and you keep us, God. Lord, I thank you that you have purchased eternity for us. Lord, I pray that we would not lose sight. Lord, that we would be so, that we would be heavenly minded, God. That eternity is there to be to be to be to be moved towards God. Lord would you help us irrespective of how our week was irrespective of where we find ourselves God I pray that in this moment Lord each one will have an encounter with the living God that they would experience mercy and grace that they would be able to look into the eyes of Jesus Lord, may they find love and hope there. Pray this in your beautiful name. Amen. Thank you, church. Thank you, Robin. Always just, she's so good. We love Robin. I said to her, Robin, we don't just love your voice, we love you, but we really do love your voice. Even when she's not feeling 150. I didn't want to say it because it still sounded good. I'm going to invite our pastor Tony to come up and lead our worship. <laughs> what just you say? And I really do, um, even like before the worship, I just really, I say it's a way we can respond to God. And I'm so scared that we, we, we make church such a religious thing. Like it, it's these parts that we play. You know, this is the part where I sit, this is the part where I stand, this is the part where I lift my hand. No, no, Lord, I want something. And even if it's to change, Lord, I want to change. This word is for me, God, to come closer to you, to look more like Jesus. God, do that in me. Church is for the equipping of the saints. God, I want to be equipped. So can we take that posture? I'm going to pray for Tony, but I'm going to pray for us. Lord, give us hearts to receive. Maybe if there's something that's said that it challenges me, God, come and challenge, come and break down walls. Change me, I don't want to look the same. Is that cool? So let's pray together and then I'll give to time. Father, I want to thank you for this time. God, I want to thank you for your word. Lord, I want to thank you, Lord, that in your word there's truth. 
But there's a truth that breaks free, God. There's a truth, God, that sets us apart. There's a truth that reveals your heart and your mercy towards us, Lord. Father, and I pray, Lord, that today that we would receive your word. Lord, your word says that in the day that the Lord speaks, do not harden your heart. So I pray, Lord, for our hearts, that our hearts be soft, that our hearts be able to, to hear your voice, that our hearts be able and willing to change. Sure. Yeah, I'm stuck with Nadja, I have to say. Um, because, seriously, life is a. The mo when you have a life changing, something happened to you. It's very difficult for other people to understand and accept because it's not you. What's. So I am, I'm stuck there. I need to leave there now. <laughs> so, um, okay, moving on. <laughs> um, so I wanted to share this a couple of weeks ago, just after Easter, and uh, <clears throat> then time took over and situations took over. So I wanted to read a, out of a portion of Scripture, and I really wanted to look at the time between Christ's resurrection and his ascension into heaven. Because there's some key pointers that come out of that space of time. I think it was 40 days um, from resurrection to, to uh, ascension. And um, I wanted to paint a picture before, I, before we look at what the scripture says. The Jews, previously the Israelites, had certainly understood what subjugation or um, what it was like to be uh, under lock and key, they were slaves in Israel, in uh, Egypt, if you remember then. And then they were set free and they went to the promised land. And then they disobeyed God and they lost their way. And then God put them into slavery first with the Assyrians and then with the Babylonians. And then they came back. And then between the Old Testament and the New Testament, there was 400 years of waiting and silence. And then by that stage, Rome were the rulers. And Rome wasn't interested in religion. Rome was just about authority and power and conquering the land. And at the time that Rome was in charge, pretty much most of the known world was under the authority of Rome. And let me tell you something. Rome, the Romans were brutal. They didn't lovey-dovey, we're taking over your land, let's, um, let's unite as one and, you know, no, they just kill and destroyed whatever they didn't like. That they, were, they were ruthless, brutal. And the only reason Israel continued to exist was because they were joined because of religion, Judaism. 
So they existed because Rome allowed them to exist. But it was certainly not a happy existence. Even the crucifixion of Jesus was because the Romans allowed it to happen. So the Jews were living under the suppression. They had the freedom to practice their religion so long as there was an insurrection, so long as they didn't go against the rule of Rome, so long as they didn't, you know, upset the Roman rulers, then you can get on with it. But if you do, we'll squash you. Okay, so it wasn't pleasant for the Jews. Then this man, Jesus, comes along. (laughs) And you fast forward to the age of when Jesus was about 30 and he starts his ministry and he starts to pick his 12. And it's not just the 12 that followed him. There were ladies that followed him and there were a whole lot of others whose names we don't know and they follow him. And you've got to understand, these, these rulers called the Romans, we hate them. Because we don't have the freedom to live the way we want to. And you're our hero. Okay? And so as year one of his ministry becomes year two of his ministry, what do they see? They see miracles. Did you see him? He changed water into wine. And then he gave somebody his sight back. Then he healed some lepers. Then he, he um, raised some dead. And then, and then he did all these wonderful things. He certainly got the power. You know, he tells a storm and he walks on water and and they're witnessing all these miracles. This man got a power. So when do you think he's going to tell us to beat our plowshares into swords? We should be building a bit of an arsenal on the side here, maybe burying it in the ground somewhere. Because surely at some point we're going to spring free of these, these Romans. But you know how big they are and how strong they are. Like when's this day coming? And it doesn't come. And then when Jesus walks into Jerusalem triumphantly, okay, on a donkey, and everyone's singing Hosanna to God in the highest, and they put down their cloaks and their palm trees, and and they glory. He's entering Jerusalem finally. I think five, five days later, he's dead on a cross. You've got you to think, if you were one of them at the time, you'd be like, what is going on? This is completely nonsensical. He was our hero. He did these miracles. He certainly got the power. Stand on a cross. You know, it says that when um, they arrested him, when the Romans arrested Jesus, the disciples ran away. Because he's supposed to be the power and might that's going to overthrow Rome and reestablish Israel as a sovereign kingdom. Gets arrested? I'm out of here. What is going on here? And so I want to pick it up there. Come on. If you were me, if I was them, I'd be like, what a waste of time. He's dead. He's dead. He did all these wonderful things. We didn't overthrow the Romans. What, what is going on in the natural? Okay? Now, the four Gospels describe that time, but the book of John has the most information about that time. So I'm going to read from the book of John. Chapter 21. Now, he's already appeared to the ladies. 
sorry. Uh, yeah. Sorry, I'm, I gave you John 21. Uh, John 20, verse 19. Now it says here, this is right after his death. It says here, on the evening, sorry, Emma. John 20, verse 19. On the evening of the first day of the week. The first day of the week in those days was actually Sunday. The Sabbath was Saturday. This is Sunday night. Now, it could well have been the Sunday that he rose from the dead, or it might have been a week later, but nevertheless. And it says, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for the fear of the Jews. Not the fear of the Romans, the fear of the Jews. Why? Because the Jews have put Jesus to death. And they locked themselves in a room. And it says that what happened? Jesus came and stood among them and he said, Peace be with you. Stop there. They were petrified. They locked the door. Because Jesus' body was gone. It wasn't in the tomb where it was supposed to be. The Jews had already paid the guards money to tell them that the disciples had come to steal the body and take it away. That was the official story. And in fact, if you're a Roman guard and the body goes missing, you actually just get put to death. So I don't know how far that story went. So they've locked themselves away, bewildered, afraid. And what's the first thing that Jesus does? He shows himself. Shows himself to them. Doesn't disappear to go to heaven. Comes to those that know him. What's the first thing he says to them? Peace. Be with you. In your moment of what is going on in my life, what would God say to you? Peace. Don't be afraid. Stop worrying. Here I am. Peace be with you. Then the next verse goes on and he says, peace be with you again. As the Father sent me, he says, I'm sending you. That's almost a mini, I'm sending you out. And with that, he breathed on them. It was almost a pre-Pentecost, pre-Pentecost, a pre-Pentecost, Pentecost. He breathed on them what? The Holy Spirit. It says, um, receive the Holy Spirit. And he goes on to say, if you forgive any sins. They are bewildered, unsure, insecure, petrified, afraid of the Jews, locked up behind closed doors. And he comes and he says, I haven't left you. I'm with you. Peace be with you. Here, receive some of the Holy Spirit. Why? He'll comfort you. Then it goes on, verse 24, Thomas. We all know him as Doubting Thomas. You know, this poor guy's got to live with that name for the rest of eternity. You've got to feel a little bit sorry for him. Doubting Thomas. And we know the story. And the disciples say to him, we have seen the Lord. Verse 25. And he says, well, unless I see the marks in his hands and put my fingers where the nails were and put my hand in his sides, I will not believe. How many of us hear of a miracle? Somewhere, oh, well, I didn't, I didn't see the leg grow. Oh, no, well, I don't know that they were really sick. 
oh, I don't know that they really needed help. I don't know that their life was really in such a bad shape. I don't know that they were really going through those troubles. No, I don't believe that. Uh, did they really have cancer? Did they really have malaria? Did, were they really? Or maybe it was something else. That's what Thomas said. How many of us can identify with Thomas? Well, I haven't seen him. You've all seen him, but I haven't seen him. So unless I can see and put my fingers in and my hand, mm, I'm not so sure. It says in verse 26, a week later, his disciples were in the house again, and the doors were locked again, and Jesus came and stood among them. And he said, peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, Put your fingers here in my hands. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. Do you think he was convinced in that moment? And then Jesus says the most profound thing to him. (coughs) He says, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. How blessed are you? Excuse me, how blessed are you? Lord, I haven't seen. When you've gone through your time of trouble, your time of bewilderment, and Jesus appears to you in a dream, (coughs) excuse me, or through an encouraging word from someone else, will you believe? Will you remain doubting Thomas? It says in verse 30, Jesus did many other signs and miracles which are not recorded. If they were recorded, well, John goes, uh, Matthew goes to say there isn't enough space. Let's move on. In, verse 20, in uh, chapter 21, uh, verse 2, uh, well, in verse 1, it says that he appeared again to his disciples. And it says that Simon Peter and Thomas, the doubter, and uh, the sons of Zebedee, and they go fishing. And um, they, it says that uh, they went and all night they caught nothing. And then in verse 4, it says that early in the morning Jesus stood on the shore. But the disciples did not realize that it was him. And he says to them, friends, have you caught anything? And so they say no. And he says, well, why don't you throw your net on the right side of the boat? <laughs> Let me tell you something. These guys went fishing. It wasn't a men's jaw. Let's take some beers and go out on the lake. This was their income. Okay? And let me tell you something. Fishing through the night is terrible. I've tried it. Once. And only once. Because that's how bad it is. It's terrible. It's cold. You're wet. Now those boats weren't very wide. Maybe they were two and a half or three meters wide. If you chuck a net down that side, or you chuck a net down that side, the fish don't move between the middle of the boat, this side, and this side. If there's fish down there, you're going to catch them. Okay? Now, when Jesus, who they don't recognize, says, hey, why don't you throw your your nets on the right-hand side? I can tell you what I'd be thinking. (laughs) We just fished all night. What do you know? Says their fish, their, their nets were so full. In fact, I don't know if your version does, but mine has a version. It says 153 fish were caught. 
And um, that's probably two weeks, three weeks wages, a full net. Normally fishermen are happy to catch like a few fish. A full net is a full income for these guys. And it says then in verse 7, the disciple that Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. And so they went, they jumped off the boat, the net was so full, and they came. And in verse 9, it says, when they landed, they saw a fire burning with fish on it and some bread. And what did Jesus say to them? Verse 10, he said, bring some fish you've just caught. I've just given you a month's income. Bring a little. Bring a little. Of what I've just given you. And let's share it. He's already got the fire going. And what I want you to see in this. Is Jesus is calling them to. Fellowship. I've paid you. I've given you what you need. To pay the bills. Now will you come and join me. And in fact in verse. In verse. um, 12. Jesus said to them. Come and have breakfast. What a random thing to say. What a random thing to say. I made a fire. I got some fish. You caught some. Wow, I wonder how that happened. Bring some. And all of you, come and join me. Let's have a meal together. You've earned your daily bread. Now come and sit with me. Doesn't God say to that, that to us every single day? Will you come and sit with me? Will you come and commune with me? And that's what he's saying to the disciples. So they come and they join him for fish on the beach. And they don't even ask him, who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. And Jesus came and he took the bread and he gave it to them and he did the same with the fish. And this was the third time that he had appeared to them. And then when they'd finished eating, he said to Simon Peter, now listen, I must remind you of this. You know, when they arrested Jesus, said they scattered, except Simon Peter. He was the one disciple that followed Jesus. He had the courage to follow, albeit from a distance. And they took him in, and he watched. It says he stood by the fire because it was cold. And then three people came up to him and asked him, or three times he was asked, weren't, weren't, you, weren't you one of the... Sure, reckon, no, not me. Aren't you the Nazareth? No, no, I'm sure. And then the cock crowed, and the Bible says in the other chapters that he, um, he wept bitterly. So he had the courage to follow Christ, even though he'd been arrested. He actually deserves a little bit of credit for that, because everyone else ran away. But Peter followed. But when it came to the crunch of, aren't you, couldn't take a stand. Man, will we take a stand? I don't know. I hope never to be tested like that. But Peter was. And Peter knows because Christ had already prophesied that it was going to happen. When he said, I'll go to the death with you. He said, who are you? You're going to, you're going to reject me. You're going to deny me. Um, three times before the cock crows. We, you know, and then it happened. And Peter remembered the words and he wept. And now's a great time for Jesus to say to him, hey, Peter, <laughs> we're going to sort a couple of things out here. You know, you failed. And I need to, uh, we need to set this right. You know, I think you deserve a little bit of a rebuke or a little bit of a reprimand, don't you? Because you let me down, brew. 
You said you were going to stand there and you were going to be there and you were going to stand by me and you failed. What does Jesus say to him? Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Peter replies, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lamb. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. Then a third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you know me? Peter was now hurt. Do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all these things. He said, then feed my sheep. Jesus wasn't rebuking him. He was restoring him. He was restoring a relationship. But I want you to see this in those scriptures. It's not only do you love me. If you do, do something. Don't go and bask in my glory. Don't make yourself comfortable at home and wait to be fed or taken care of. No, do you love me? Do something about it. Who are the lambs and the sheep that he's talking about? People. See, when Jesus called Peter, he says, I'm going to make you fishers of men. Right? Remember that? How many parables did Jesus teach about shepherds and sheep? The sheep will know the shepherd's voice. The shepherd will call them. The shepherd will. He spoke about sheep and goats. He spoke about lambs. How many times? He says to Peter, if you love me. No. Don't stop there. Do something about it. Who are the lambs? It's the young Christians. It's the young people. Who are the sheep? Oh, same as you. I'm a sheep. I'm a sheep. Jesus is the chief shepherd. I'm just a sheep. Yeah, I've given a bit of responsibility and, and I've got to take it on the chin sometimes, but I'm just a sheep like you. No better, no worse. But he's called me to love you. I don't think this is recorded for my sake. I think this is recorded for your sake. Do you take care of the lambs around you? Do you feed the sheep around you? Do you take care of those around you? Because I would say this to you if you don't. I'm going to say this gently. You're a hypocrite. Because he's saying, Lord, I love you. Not them. Have you been into that pen? Do you know how smelly it is? Do you know how troublesome they are? They keep biting me. I keep getting hurt. They don't treat me well. They don't, they don't love me back. I'm trying to love them, but they don't love me. You know, they hurt me. I'm, I, that's not what Jesus commands. He says, no, take care of them. Love them. So there's this dual thing going on. Jesus restores his relationship with Peter. Do you love me? That's all that matters. If it does, if you do, then just do this. And then I'm going to switch to Matthew 28, and it's a very familiar scripture. Jesus says, the Great Commission. All authority in heaven and earth and on earth has been given to me. If that's not a reassurance, then I don't know what is. 
says, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And then Jesus himself gives us the greatest encouragement you ever want to hear. And surely, I'm with you always to the very end of the age. When Jesus rose from the dead to a bunch of bewildered disciples and women who couldn't understand what was going on, what did he do? He showed himself to them. He restored relationship. He gave them instructions about what to do. He reminded them that he would be with them forever. And he told them to be in peace, not to be worried. And nothing's changed since then. And I wanted to share, this is oblique, personal testimony. Because I had to deal with this many years ago. If I look around this room. Most of you, not all of you, have been in my house at some point. Either for a meal or a coffee or a group something or other. Okay? Yeah, I know. He's, he's shaking his head. He's saying, we haven't. I know. Your turn's coming. Don't worry. <laughs> That's why I said most. Not everyone. Because I can't claim everyone. But most. And I would ask you today, how many of you have invited me? Now, the reason I ask that is not to make you feel guilty because you haven't invited me. No. You see, years ago, I had to deal with my heart. But Lord, I'm loving people. And I'll tell you, this is a small congregation. We've been part of a much bigger congregation. We've had many, 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 many people live in our house, stay in our house, come for meals. We went through two years of visitors. We were the eldership couple that had to invite visitors to get to meet them. And I'll tell you what we did. And I'm not bragging. I'm just, I just, I want to give you a bit of perspective here. Every Monday night at Sunnydale, we, we would get a list. There'd be five, six, seven, eight visitors from Sunday. And we'd get the list of names and telephone numbers. And we would, Lindsay and I would sit at the table on a Monday night and we would film a video to each and every one of those visitors individually. Hi, John. I'm Tony. I'm Lindsay. And uh, we either met you or we didn't meet you yesterday, um, but we heard that you were at Sunningdale, and we hope you enjoyed the service. So we'd love to invite you to our house on Thursday for a coffee, 7 o'clock, just to get to know you a bit better, maybe answer some questions about the church, and uh, let us know if you can make it. Goodbye. So they can see who's talking to them, and if they don't want to come, they don't have to respond. We haven't given our address. They need to let us know. Then we'll send them an address. Do you know how many people came through our house over a period of two years? Do you know how many, how few, many of them never reciprocated? Because God's called us to love one another. And many, many years ago, I had that problem. 
but I've had them and them and them and them. They've all come to my house and they never invite me. I had to learn the hard way. Loving in the kingdom is not about receiving. It's about giving. Right? And here's the irony. If we all give, then we'll all receive. But if your mindset is to receive, then you miss the restoration of Peter. See, Jesus didn't say to him, if you love everyone, they'll love you back. No. He said, just go love. Just take care of them. And I found, I'm telling you, I live in a peace with that. And I'll continue to invite people to my house. And if you never invite us, I'm happy. Because I get to love you. And I hope that something is displayed in that. That you might love somebody else. Because the kingdom calls us to love. So, amen. I wish I wish I had something profound to say, like, so, huh? It's better. My wife wants. It's better to give than receive. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> yeah. Just on a cliffhanger. Okay. Um, two things I want to quickly do before the, the service ends. I love that Jesus calls us to something as simple as just loving each other. It's very simple, but it's super hard. (laughs) And that's why he binds it to himself. That's why he said to Peter, Peter, do you love me? Before he said, Peter, go and love my people. He's like, hey, do you love me? I mean, imagine how Peter felt at that stage. He was a failure. He couldn't stand strong for Jesus. All of a sudden, Jesus says, Peter, do you still love me? Lord, you know, you know all things, Lord. No, it's not a perfect love. Don't look after my children. Don't look after my sheep. Jesus still calls us to that. Let's do that well. Let us be marked by love. Let us be marked as, hey, I'm going to love that person. Loving people, it's easy. Just invite them for coffee. Everybody loves, most people love coffee. But invite them in and uh, feel like, nice and polite. No, no. With him, you're going to have to do some tea or something. Second thing, sorry, we, we do did forget. Um, God asks us to give as well. Um, I really don't like ending the service like this, but uh, I, I, need to be, I need to be faithful. I need to give you the opportunity to be faithful. Um, we're going to just send um, bags around. If you brought something to give, please give. Um, do not feel you're compelled to give, please, by all means, if you're a visitor, please, like you are no compulsion, um, please. Um, I do want to just create a space. I know people have, uh, yeah, want to give, so uh, please, we just want to create an opportunity for that. We had a leadership meeting this week, and we were discussing how do we make this more sufficient, and I, I think that's what they're probably discussing now is how do we make it more sufficient. Because I know we said there's a way, but I, I didn't write it down. So, uh, but yeah, please just pass that through, and then I'll pray for that. Cool beans. 
Oh yeah, there's banking details as well if you want to do EFT. No, the reference shouldn't be City Ball. The reference should be Woodstock, please. Um, yeah, still going to go to the same fund, but um, it doesn't reflect in, on our on our account. I actually saw with mine it was it was still set up for, for City Ball, so I just changed that. They're no longer getting my money. Um, I want to pray for that, and then I'm just going to pray for us. Um, just in light with Tony was, was sharing as well, please, after the service, don't just run away. Um, please, visitors, we would also just love to just formally introduce ourselves, drink coffee with you guys. It's not the best coffee, but the, the communication after the coffee is very good for the family that you get. So um, but this is, a, this is a perfect opportunity for us, guys. Like, church is supposed to be family. So one thing I'll give the disciples, at least they were stuck together. At least they were stuck together under a locked door. But let's be careful that we don't lock the door with only three or four people. Let's make that circle bigger, get more people in there. Um, this is what we're called for. Is that cool? Let's quickly close our eyes, and then I'm going to pray for us, and then uh, let's drink coffee. Father, I thank you. Lord, I thank you that you love us. Lord, I thank you for uh, that you are a God that restores, that you re even restore somebody as Peter, God. That failed, that, 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 that had a zeal, God, to be with you, but couldn't, when, when, when it, the crunch time came, God, he couldn't stand. Lord, I thank you that you are a God that is merciful and gracious. That you came and you restore him, Lord. Lord, and just as you placed a call upon him to, to, to carry what your heart carries, love for people, God, I do pray for us as a church, God, that we would have that heart. That we would have a heart and a home that is open, Lord to invite people in, to have a meal with them, to get to know them, to love them well, God. Lord, I pray that you would help us with that. God, I pray, Lord, that we would take the posture that it's better to give than to receive. God, that we would not idly just stand by and say, but what about me? No, that we would say, I'll be the one. I'll be the one to love that person. I will be the one to disciple that person. I would be the one to lay down my life for it. Lord, we need you. We need you to help us with this. We need you, God, so that we can, can all have full cups, that all of us will be loved. Lord, I pray for this church. I pray for us for this week, God. I pray, Lord, that, that we would draw near to you. And as we draw near to you, God, may we draw near to each other. Lord, I pray that you would bless us and keep us. God, that you would guard our hearts, you would guard our minds, Lord, that you would be the apple of our eye. I pray this in your beautiful name. Amen. Thank you very much, church. See you Wednesday at Community. Uh, if you're not a part of community, our community leaders are scattered around here. Please join one. It's another way we can love you.